Welcome to episode 181, When Therapy Ends, Ideal and Less Than Ideal Termination, featuring Elizabeth Haney, Licensed Professional Counselor. Make sure to subscribe to be alerted about future episodes by Clearly Clinical. Learn, grow, shine. Hi there. My name is Elizabeth Haney. I'm a therapist in private practice in Asheville, North Carolina. And today we're going to talk about termination, very, very important part of the therapeutic process. And we're going to talk about all different facets of it. But let me take a moment to just introduce myself a little bit. I uh, work with adults in my private practice, and I do a lot of work with couples, a lot of relationship work. Um, and I also do a lot of training and teaching of therapists. I have case consultation groups and offer individual case consultation. I've taught in grad uh, counseling programs, and I've been an internship supervisor. So I have lots and lots of experience to offer in terms of how therapy works and different ways we can approach issues that clients may bring to us. Um, if you'd like to see more of my work, you can take a look at a, I have a whole library of work, videotaped workshops and trainings. And you can find those at HaneyConsulting.net. And Haney is spelled H-E-A-N-E-Y, Consulting.net. You want to be sure to do .net instead of .com. So HaneyConsulting.net, you can take a look at um, there's video clips. You can take take a look at brief examples from the videos, and uh, you can download um, trainings on different kinds of uh, subjects regarding the therapeutic relationship. So I hope you take a look at those. But let's get back to our topic for today, which is termination. Um, it's all about the closure of the therapeutic relationship. It's Termination is part of every therapeutic relationship. It happens in a wide variety of ways, uh, some of them very positive and some of them less positive. But every therapeutic relationship at some point terminates. So we want to be thoughtful about it. Hopefully it can be as intentional and carefully orchestrated as we'd like it to be so that it's very beneficial for our clients and for ourselves. Um, it, termination could be initiated by our clients for various reasons. It could be initiated by us, the therapist, or it could be a mutually approached um, threshold. So we're going to talk about various reasons that termination happens. We're going to talk about it from the client's side and from the therapist's side, and we're going to talk about maybe some points to remember as you navigate termination with clients, and uh, hopefully by the end of this conversation, you'll have a really broad base of thoughts and experience to bring to terminating with clients. Um, you know, sometimes... As therapists, we, we probably think we know what termination means, but I just want to make room for how complex it is and how nuanced and how multifaceted the process of termination can be. It can be positive or negative or incredibly mixed. You know, clients and therapists can have very mixed responses to the process of termination. We'll talk about that in a minute. I tend to think of threshold as, as a way of imagining termination. Imagine a threshold, a doorway that you're going to step through. You've been in one room or one space, which is the therapeutic relationship, and you're going to move across a threshold into a new space where the two of you or three of you or however many there are, um, move on in separate processes. So um, it could be a, a sudden threshold that comes up in reaction to something that happened in therapy, something that either the client or the therapist was uncomfortable with or felt wasn't useful and that termination was the appropriate response. 
It could be a multi-step process of uh, reflection and navigation and discussion that ends with the actual termination. Um, it could be due to circumstances, could be, um, you know, client needs to terminate for financial reasons or because their schedule changed or because um, they make a geographical move or maybe a client would be terminating because their limited number of approved sessions expires or they've spent them all. Um, I just want to, I'm just trying to give you a feeling for, you know, a variety of ways that termination can unfold. However it unfolds, we want to be able to navigate it very, very conscientiously. So the bottom line is we would like for termination to be a part of the client's growth process. In other words, we, we'd like it not to be sort of an abrupt in, ending that's not processed, but we'd like to it to be a part of their growth. It's it's another step in their growth, not the end of, of their growth. Um, maybe they've had a lot of really healthy, clear, and clean goodbyes in their life, but an awful lot of times clients have not. And so termination might be a time where we could actually create a completely different kind of closure or goodbye for them than they've had in the past, which can be deeply healing for the client. You know, it it could be the chance where they maybe for the first time are saying goodbye in a way that's very thoughtful and that both people are participating and maybe even the therapist is bringing in, you know, facets of saying goodbye that the client hadn't considered before. It could be truly a deeply reparative process for the client. That's what we would love to have happen. Um, maybe in their upbringing and in their life to that whatever point they're in, They've, they've really not gotten to learn about what healthy closure feels like. So they don't even have that template. Maybe, maybe this is even the first time closure is a time for them to feel celebrated and honored and seen in, in very deep ways. For many of the clients that I work with, that just has not happened in the past. Maybe closures were abrupt or they were um, one-sided. Maybe clients even felt like the victim or felt abandoned. Maybe it was full of anger or angst. Um, I'm not talking about just therapeutic closure. I'm just talking about closures or goodbyes in general. They could have really not healthy, clear patterns for how that might unfold. So I really, as a, as a therapist, I want to be really conscientious about that. I want to be very, very thoughtful about the way I'm creating this goodbye with the client. And again, for me, my goal would be that they feel celebrated and honored in their process. Um, I've talked to a lot of clients where in the past, Closure was just um, what we might call an emotional cutoff. So it uh, maybe didn't feel complete or finished at all. I would really have a goal that if I'm mutually terminating with a client, that there's a sense of completion. There's One of my colleagues calls it a graduation, which I think is a really beautiful way to think about it. You know, that they're graduating from the work they've been doing and maybe even from the issues that they entered into therapy with. So I really love that idea that it could be a very celebratory graduation. That's not appropriate with all clients that because of maybe the reasons the termination is happening. But in the best case scenario, that's kind of how I would imagine it. Um, it's a chance to disconnect, but to move on without a sense of a bond being disrupted in some sort of negative way. In fact, we can imagine that done well, um, termination can can really preserve and, and honor the journey that the client has been on and the bond that they've had with you as the therapist. It can done well, 
uh, termination done well, it can even lead to leaving the possibility that the client can reach out in the future. Not all clients will need or want to do that, but a really beautifully done termination can lead to that possibility. I was thinking recently, I had a client reach out to me uh, that I had worked with 25 years ago. And part of the reason she reached out, as she named it to me, was that she felt so complete at the end and felt like I was a resource for her kind of at any point in the future. Neither one of us would have imagined 25 years would have gone by. But for me, it was a real acknowledgement that the not only the therapeutic process, but the termination process had gone really well because that person felt comfortable reaching out after 25 years. And I felt it was quite remarkable that she even named the, the way we terminated as part of what made her feel like it was an option to reach out again. So that's kind of maybe that's a little bit of an extreme example. But it's just an example that if if termination is handled really, really well, then a client can feel like that bond is still available to them in the future. I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, it's Termination is a, a separation phase of therapy. Um, it's a phase where the attention, to me, the therapeutic attention is fully on closure and the steps we need to walk through to get to a really clean and clear closure. That's that's kind of the phase I think of as being the termination phase, right? There's an initial phase of therapy where I'm just getting to know them and understanding what their concerns are and maybe really deeply understanding how they process. And then there's kind of what I think of as the working phase of therapy, um, sort of an extended middle phase where we really specifically address their goals and concerns and they're developing skills that they're going to take out into their lives and into their relationships. And then there's a termination phase where we're, we're basically wrapping up what we've done. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move into talking about reasons for termination. Um, from the client side, so this is just on the client side, it could be that terminate, it's time for termination because the client is very satisfied with their prog, their own progress. They could feel like, uh, the work is finished, that their issues have been addressed, um, that it's kind of a, natural stopping point that um, you could look back at their treatment plan and see that they have accomplished the things that they came in to accomplish. And in that particular way, when the client is very satisfied with the progress they've made, termination is a natural ending. It's it's time to do that. Um, as I mentioned briefly before, from the client side, termination could also happen because of what I call barriers to continuing. Those barriers might be purely financial. You know that um, I've had clients where their insurance expires or terminates, so they need to not come in anymore. I've had clients who need to stop because of, you know, job changes or income changes or because they have a new baby and it's time to invest their finances in that process. I've had clients terminate due to scheduling conflicts that arise. Maybe their work schedule changes and so they need to uh, step back from therapy because they can no longer fit into the scheduling that's available. Clients may terminate because of childcare issues that arise. You know, maybe they've had some way that they could attend therapy and childcare was handled and that changes. Um, I've had clients need to take a break um, during summer months when their kids are not in school and they can't, you know, juggle more and more things uh, in terms of the kids' summer schedules. So I've had clients take a break for that reason. So lots of different reasons that ther therapy termination might be initiated from the client's side. Um, it also could be that termination is initiated because the client is dissatisfied 
They could be dissatisfied either with therapy itself, or the therapy process that's been happening, or they could be dissatisfied with the therapist. And what we want to look at is with client dissatisfaction, is that discussed openly? Can you as the therapist initiate very open conversation about that? Can you be very open to their dissatisfaction? Can you even welcome their honesty? Um, very, very crucial not to take it personally. They may have some very good feedback for you. Their dissatisfaction might be concerning aspects of your work or your style that you want to be, you know, reflecting on. But regardless of whether or not, you know, you can um, see the value in it, you, you want to not take their reasons for termination personally. You want to be able to function therapeutically while they maybe bring forward the reasons they've been dissatisfied. Hopefully, you'll be able to welcome that conversation and really support them in being as open as possible because even if the therapy with you was unsatisfying to them for some reason, until they're actually, you know, out the door, so to speak, you are in a therapeutic relationship with them. So you want to be handling their dissatisfaction in as deeply therapeutic way as possible. You want to really, uh, what I, in my terminology, you really want to meet them in their place of dissatisfaction. Now, it takes some internal stamina on your part to do that, but, you know, being therapists, we're often asked to have some internal stamina during really uncomfortable times. Um, if it feels like that's just extremely difficult for you, I would encourage you to reach out and get um, peer support or supervision about how that dissatisfaction was expressed or your own observations about it or opinions about it. But that's that's separate. Um, what you really want to do is invite the client's honest uh, response to your questions about their dissatisfaction and offer them sincere support for being able to speak up about it and um if it goes extremely well, you might even offer referrals, you know, like, oh, I understand that you um, that this way of working isn't working for you. I know someone that I think would be a really good match. Can I give you a couple of names? Um, so, again, even if it's based on the client's dissatisfaction with you or, or the therapy process itself, um, you may be able to not only walk through that well with them, but offer them referrals and help them move on to working with someone else or in some different way. Now, it, it also is possible that the client just stops showing up. Um, they either miss an appointment or they cancel an appointment and then don't reschedule. Um, I think that's really important to address. Um, of course, I can't force a client to address that, but I probably would reach out to them in some way, um, whatever is kind of a normal kind of reaching out for them. For some clients, that's a, a voice message. For some clients, that's an email, might be a text, however you've been communicating with them. Um, I definitely don't want it to just drop away, and I don't even acknowledge that they've stopped coming. I think that would be incredibly, um, I don't know, it's its a little bit uh, negating, I think, for, for us to not acknowledge that the client has just stopped showing up. So I want to reach out. I want to acknowledge that they, you know, clearly they're not coming in and that I really want to understand more about uh, what happened for them. And I would be really happy to either have them come in and do a termination session or would be happy to talk with them on the phone or read whatever text or email they want to send me um, that I sincerely hope they'd be willing or able to talk with me about what happened on their side. Um, so all I can do there is in an extend a very sincere invitation and make sure they hear my openness to whatever it is they need to say. Um, so that's when, you know, the client has just 
decided not to come back in for some reason. On my side of that kind of termination, um, even if I don't hear from the client, I really want to use that as a moment for me to self-reflect, right? I want to take a look at, did I have a sense it wasn't working for them? Um, what, what was happening in our session or sessions that I maybe was picking up on wasn't really, really wasn't going anywhere or maybe there was even some contentiousness there or um, maybe something in the client's remarks or voice tone or level of engagement was indicating to me that it wasn't really working for them. And so I want to, I want to review that. I want to be really, really careful to let that be a teachable moment for myself. And I also want to think about either how I address that or how or why I didn't address it. Because I think if I'm noticing something's really not working for the client and I don't address that, then I think that's kind of a, it's almost a setup for the client to just disengage because um, clearly there's something happening between us that's not getting addressed. If we think of the very best therapy that we could possibly imagine, there's going to be a deep trust and openness between the, th- the therapist and the client. So if I've been noticing, let's just say some glitches in the in the relationship with the client or in the therapeutic process, and I'm not addressing those, to me that indicates to the client that that trust isn't really there. You know, I'm not trusting the relationship to inquire about what I'm noticing or how it's happening. And so um, that that's something that should happen, of course, before termination happens. I'm just saying if a client just disengages and I don't really get feedback from them about why. I'm thinking that as uh, as a perceptive therapist, I should have some ideas about what happened and I should really teach myself something about how I would want to handle that differently in the future. So as uncomfortable or difficult as it might be when a client just disengages, um, please use it to get, uh, I was thinking, Again, a, a different colleague sometimes says, get some mileage out of it. And I think that's a great phrase. So even when something really uncomfortable or difficult happens uh, in a therapeutic relationship, I want to get mileage out of it. I want to use it to grow myself as a therapist. However uncomfortable that may be, I want to find some support for processing it and maybe changing things about how I'm doing my therapy and really try to grapple with the underlying things that I might be able to sort of draw up and make more useful to myself. So please have that commitment with yourself that um, even termination that goes really, really poorly has some things to teach me and could be really useful to me. Um, if we have the chance to talk about dissatisfaction. As I said, I might offer referrals to the client. They may really be a better match for a different treatment modality. You know, maybe I do, I don't know, IFS and I want to talk about parts and process that way. And maybe they're much more nuts and bolts kind of oriented and they might do better with mm, cognitive behavioral therapy or some kind of cognitive processing therapy. And that even something like IFS feels too woo-woo to them. And so that that may be the source of their dissatisfaction. Um, maybe they're dissatisfied because they feel like I haven't really heard them. They don't feel really engaged in a particular way. So maybe I know a therapist that engages in a different way than I do. And I think, oh, I think John Smith over here would be a great match for them. So, you know, maybe they're disengaging or terminating from their side because I don't have the cultural background that they really want to engage about. Maybe I remember working with uh, Native American clients when I lived in Arizona. And, you know, sometimes that went really well. And sometimes 
I just didn't have the cultural background to not understand the therapeutic process, but to understand their personal process, the way they internally processed was quite different and very culturally driven. I had a tremendous amount of respect for that, and I had some knowledge of it, but I could tell there were moments with certain clients where my um, cellular knowledge base about their cultural uh, background just wasn't enough. And so in those cases, I really worked hard to be able to link them with someone that had a much stronger understanding and experience of their culture. And that could happen in many, many different ways. It could happen because of social differences, economic differences, like I said, cultural difference, ethnic differences. I've had it happen around religious differences where clients might have felt like I just didn't understand their religious paradigm to the degree they needed me to. I've worked with clients from many, many different religious paradigms. And, um, you know, overall, that's worked out really well. But occasionally there's someone who really feels like I just don't have the grounding in their belief system that they're looking for. I want again, I want to be very open to that and I want to be very responsive to it and probably want to put some extra effort into helping them find someone that does have that um, that paradigm that they're looking for, or that belief system that they're looking for. Um, again, I, I don't want to take that personally. I sincerely want them to get their needs met. And perhaps I'm just not the person that's going to be able to meet their needs. I respect that. And I want us maybe to, if we can, to work through that together. Um, there are also times where a client may need a much more skilled practitioner. Um, maybe along in the therapeutic process, whether it's after one session or after, you know, four or five or eight sessions, we come to a place of understanding that what they're on the brink of processing really needs uh, a deeper knowledge base than I have therapeutically. Um, I can talk about that from the other side simply because I've been in the field so much. You know, I've been in private practice for more than four decades. I often have clients come to me who have worked maybe even very well with another therapist, but felt like they got to a place where they just needed a, a deeper skill base from the therapist. Um, and again, I, no positive or negative reaction to that. It's just something that happens sometimes. If I'm on the side where my skill base isn't strong enough or deep enough for them, then I, again, want to help them find someone where they would feel very, very reassured about that. Um, I think sometimes it's a, can be a personality issue. Um, I have clients sometimes say, oh, I went to a therapist. I only saw him or her for a couple of sessions because they were just too passive. They just sat there and listened to me and said, aha, aha, or how does that make you feel? For that particular client, they really wanted more engagement or maybe more direction. Uh, maybe they wanted more input or more guidance. I don't know, but um, I'm just saying it could it, – it could be not so much a therapeutic issue as just a personality issue. Again, that's something I really want to respect and support. I think it's fantastic that a client might be aware of that need. And um, on the other side, they maybe have seen someone who was far too directive and they felt, you know, a little bit overwhelmed by that. And they want to see someone whose pace or level of interaction is a little more modulated um, I'm thinking of one client who stopped seeing a therapist because the, he, he had some very specific goals in terms of wanting to develop relationship skills, uh, that he didn't get to learn in his upbringing. And he was actually very articulate and very clear about that. And he had wanted to work with a male therapist. So he, um, went to see a male therapist and did a few sessions with that therapist. But it was a mismatch in terms of specificity. So the the client had very specific ideas about what he wanted to work on or the skills he wanted to develop. 
um, regarding relationship stuff. And the therapist he chose, who was a very skilled therapist and has a great reputation, um, but that therapist was much more into meditative states and, you know, sort of uh, uh, allowing things to arise internally and uh, maybe deep inner exploration that was kind of more fluid. And I think that approach could be exceedingly useful for some clients. It just wasn't a match for this particular client um, who then came to me. And he, he just was looking for something much more structured and sort of, okay, what do, how are we going to work on this? What you know? And then coming back in and saying, I tried this and this, and this didn't work, or I got stuck here. So he just... He was looking for something much more structured, so he terminated with the other therapist. This might be a good place to mention that even if I disagree with the approach the previous therapist used, I have an ethical standard that I don't make negative comments about other therapists. I might agree with the client's assessment of the therapist. Oh, I can see how that wouldn't have worked for you. Or yes, I'm, you know, I understand that wasn't a match for you. But I just think uh, in terms of my professional ethics, I don't need to be making negative remarks about another therapist skill or their approach or something like that. I don't really feel like that's a useful, I don't know. I don't think it's really useful to clients. Um, I don't need to kind of add on to whatever their perceptions might be in terms of negative outcome or negative experience. So that's just a a side comment, but it's something that has served me well over the years. Um, I don't hold back on supporting the client's perceptions. I'm more than happy to join them in their sense that that didn't work for them or somebody was you know, I've had clients say, you know, they saw a therapist who really wasn't paying attention very well. And maybe I've heard that same report from other clients or even other therapists. You know, yeah, that person doesn't really, you know, kind of drifts or doesn't really stay very engaged. You know, I can just say, oh, you know, gosh, I'm sorry to hear that. And I can see why that would be difficult for you. But again, I'm not going to comment on that therapist. Um it just doesn't feel clean to me to do that. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, when I was looking into reasons why clients terminate therapy, one of the things that really interested me was that uh, I noticed in research studies about therapeutic termination, the therapists don't consistently pick up on when therapy is failing. Like somehow they have, um, I don't know, kind of a, a resistance to that, I think. What they report is that um, they name it as the client's resistance to therapy rather than therapy failed the client. Clients say it the other way. Clients are very articulate about, you know, feeling like the therapy failed them. So I just think it's interesting somehow as a profession, we may have a little bit of work to do there where we need to be more self-confrontive when therapy fails and not place the, I don't want to say blame, but the responsibility for that on the client's lack of engagement or resistance. Um, I just thought that was very, very interesting. Um, Dislike of therapy or the therapist was reported twice as much by clients as therapists. So clients, twice as often as therapists, would say that they didn't like the therapy or the therapist. And again, the, the therapist didn't name that. Oh, you know, I was, I wasn't the right fit or I didn't handle it well or my approach didn't work for them. Um, the primary reason given for dissatisfaction by clients was two things. One, that the therapist was not aware of my dissatisfaction. And we talked about that a little while ago about us thinking about when was I aware that things weren't going well. So that's one. And the second one, that came up 15% of the time, which I think is quite a, a large percentage of the time, was clients saying that they stopped therapy or 
disengage from the therapist because the therapy wasn't going anywhere. That was the phrase. Therapy wasn't going anywhere 15% of the time. So I think as therapists, I would advocate for us to be exceedingly attuned to when the therapy we're offering isn't making progress for the client. The client is not feeling like progress is being made. We somehow need to hugely increase our awareness of that, our attunement to that. Because I think if, if therapy isn't really working, I should be able to pick up on that as a therapist. That's, that should be sort of in the field between us. And I should be able to kind of notice, hmm, doesn't feel like we're making progress. And whether I go to supervision about that or I bring it up directly with the client, gee, it seems like we're not making the progress you might have hoped for. I want to find a way to engage with the client about that. Otherwise, highly likely that client is going to terminate. Um, you, you specifically don't want to ignore it because you're insecure about your skills. Um, I've had... Lots of folks in case consultations say, you know, I don't feel like anything's happening or I don't feel like we're making progress or I don't feel like we're moving forward. I think that is fantastic that they're naming it, that they're bringing it to case consultation, that we can discuss what's been happening between them and their client, that we can maybe generate some ideas for how they might want to uh change their approach or backpedal and address something that didn't get addressed or shift modalities or something. But I think it's absolutely fantastic when the therapist is being proactive about that and very directly saying something's not happening. I have to say I therapist in my case consultation groups bring that issue up quite a bit. Maybe it's because I really encourage it, but I also think they're very, very dedicated to improving their skills. And when they feel like they're just not getting anywhere with the client, that's a very rich time to kind of dive more deeply into what's happening and what's not happening and address that. All of that uh, helps prevent, first of all, helps prevent termination because the client gets re hopefully gets reengaged right or engaged differently but the second thing i think is really important is it really helps prevent client dissatisfaction if i'm feeling like nothing's happening the vast majority of the time the client is also going to feel like nothing is happening so for me to bring that up in some very direct and open way would be so very useful for a client that, there can be a lot of growth in that conversation for the therapist and for the client. But again, the, the primary reason clients give for dissatisfaction is that the therapist wasn't noticing they were dissatisfied and then they felt like therapy just wasn't making progress. So those are two points you really want to watch out for in terms of having really positive termination experiences. Um, you want to start building it back there where things don't feel as connected as the client might want it to. So just keep your awareness tuned into that. And, of course, I'm a huge advocate for getting supervision or case consultation throughout your career, not just early on those couple of years where you need supervision to get a license. But hopefully... You'll feel inspired to keep developing your skills um, throughout your career, especially these places where you feel like your skills might be lacking or your uh, understanding of what's happening is is lagging a little bit. Those are times you really want to get yourself into, um, yeah, supervision or consultation. All right. Or your own personal therapy, frankly, you know. It could be that the reason I'm uncomfortable with bringing up a, a client's dissatisfaction or a, a reason I'm uncomfortable with working differently might be some of my own personal process and um, some aspects of, of my own personal work that I need to address. I want to be very open to that. Um, I find that therapy very often helps me be aware of, you know, personal aspects I need to work on.
All right. I think, um, so this is just kind of reiterating this point, but I want to, I want to bring it up very clearly and directly. You're vastly less likely to have a negative termination experience happen if you've been noticing and addressing issues in the therapeutic alliance all along. If you've been asking for feedback in a very ongoing way, if you've been very attentive and engaged in moments that seem like they didn't work well, that you're asking about that, um, that you're being very open to either changing your approach or your style of interaction when that seems to be called for. Those, those kinds of adjustments, um, are really going to help a negative experience of, of termination not happen. Um, I was thinking about the the part about really attending to moments that don't work in my own personal process. I can remember a time when a therapist kind of misunderstood what I was saying, not completely, but took it in a direction. You know, she guided the conversation in one direction, and I really wanted and felt a need to talk about a different aspect, and I followed where she went with it, but after I thought about it later, I I think I sent an email or talked about it in the next session and said, hey, you know, last week we ended up talking about this, but I really felt a need to go in this direction. And, of course, I'm, you know, because of my background, I'm able to say that very clearly and articulately. Um, But what I liked was her immediate responsiveness to it. And she said, yes, you know, I thought about that, too. I got distracted when you mentioned such and such and took took us in that direction. But I know that you said that what was important for you to focus on was in the other direction. And um, I will be more attentive to that in the future. Well, I tell you, I felt so met. And so seen in that moment, I really didn't, it didn't matter to me that we went into a direction that I didn't feel was terribly useful. What mattered to me was that we could sort of address and repair that moment and make it, make it something that was very useful in our therapeutic relationship in the future. And it was just beautifully handled. So just an example of something that would help prevent a negative termination experience. Um, you know, sometimes a client can see the therapist as uh, unhelpful or demanding or maybe even ir- irrelevant to the client's concerns. In those cases, premature termination is highly likely. And by premature termination, I just mean termination that might be abrupt or the the goals of therapy aren't met and the client stops. Um Again, attunement from the therapist's side is going to be really critical. Um, I would say ethical practice requires that I address misattunement when I notice it happening, um, even though that can be very challenging uh, to, to address it directly. I think it's, it's just part of ethical practice for me to say, I noticed this wasn't working for you, or I have a guess that such and such wasn't helpful to you. Um, I want to be very gracious in bringing it up, and I want to leave a lot of room for the client to, I don't know, feel uncomfortable talking about it directly with me, but be very encouraging that we can we can go there, we can navigate that. Um, even if the client has already made the decision to terminate, and they're letting me know they've decided, can I do some work in whatever time we have left to create some congruence? with them regarding uh, termination. So can I do that by uh, being very supportive or, you know, offering referrals or just acknowledging that I hear where the dissonance was? Um, so I'm not working to get them to change their mind about termination. I'm just trying to be as conscientious as possible so that when we arrive at that moment, um, that we're on the same page or that we're in sync. There's some congruence there. Um, I'll certainly work to change their mind about termination if I feel like there's a gap there that happened that's repairable. Um, but that may not be. They, they may have already, like, they've made that decision and they're okay with it. So I want to, I want to be honoring of that. Um, 
sometimes the client just isn't confident in the therapist's ability to help, you know? They're just not getting the sense that the therapist has the specific abilities that they're wanting. Um, you know, I can think of a, a client I worked with at one point in time. This was quite some time ago. Um, he came into therapy. Uh, he, he, he stated that he was coming into therapy because his wife's drinking, her alcohol consumption was really a problem. What I noticed pretty early on was that he wanted the therapy to be focused on her drinking and the ways it was a problem. And what I noticed was were some ways that the client was both enabling the drinking and was being in a very codependent pattern with the drinking. So I initiated some conversations about his side of the of the pattern. Um, you know, gee, do you notice that you're doing this? Or when you, when you talk about it that way, it leads me to believe that you tend to blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I just made some remarks and some, uh, comments over the course of a couple of sessions that really were trying to focus more on his side of the pattern. Uh, because I'm working with him, I'm not working with her. And I certainly validated his concerns and his struggles with her, you know, the fact that she was drinking as much as she was and the incidents that were happening because of it. But I really felt like, you know, there was an option there for him to make progress on his side, whether she stopped drinking or not. And he just absolutely was not open to that approach. And, um, he canceled a session and left a message that he was not going to continue because um, he felt like I wanted to focus on something that he didn't want to focus on. I, you know, I definitely called him back and talked with him and said I understood his concern and that I really felt like there were, you know, there were things to be looked at on both sides and I wanted to support him to look at what was happening on his side. But, um, you know, we sort of just agreed that the 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 notions that I had about what would be useful were not his notions. And I offered him, you know, some other options in terms of addressing it in the way that he wanted to address it. I just felt like that wasn't um, wasn't therapeutic, you know, to spend time talking about her and what she should do differently and all the ways she was causing problems and things like that. Um so it was just a therapeutic call on my part that came out of his dissatisfaction with the approach that I was taking. I I think uh what I would say is I felt like it was a disservice to him to continue to focus on her patterns. Um I sincerely believed he had some growth available to him on his side of the pattern. But anyway, that, you know, it was a termination. I felt like it was done pretty cleanly. Um, we had a great discussion and, um, you know, he just wanted to go in a different direction and I wanted to re be respectful of that. Um, let's talk about termination when it's initiated from the therapist side. So we're going to shift gears here. We've been talking about when it's initiated from the client side. Let's talk about when it's initiated from the therapist side. And let's talk about some different reasons that that might happen. It might happen because you feel like you can't address their needs. Uh, you don't have the skill or the knowledge to address their needs. And uh, even though the client may feel like you do, you feel like you just, you don't have that capacity. Um, you might have the perception that the client isn't benefiting from your treatment over time even though the client may feel like they're benefiting, but you may sincerely in your best therapeutic judgment feel like this isn't working out. Um, you might terminate therapy or initiate termination because the client sort of plateaus. You maybe have met the initial goals that the client came in with. I often hear therapists say, I feel like we're just chatting now, like we did some work, but now we're just chatting and therapy is just kind of on hold. Um, I've actually heard that most often from therapists who take insurance and the client has a very low copay, maybe five or ten dollars, and they just want to keep coming to therapy, even though they've met their goals, 
they're, you know, <laughs> they're enjoying the relationship or they're enjoying having somebody to talk to or they're, uh, you know, they feel comfortable coming and just sort of uh, venting or reporting about their week. And so it could be that the therapist in those situations initiates um, termination because they feel like this, you know, that's not really therapy. Um, that's certainly offering your company uh, to, to a client, but it's not really therapy and, and they feel like the, the goals have been met. Um, it could be that you initiate termination from your side because you work out of a particular protocol and that that protocol or that process has been completed. And, you know, that's what you offer and, and that's finished. It could be terminated from the therapist side because the therapist leaves the agency uh, and is closing their practice for some reason. In fact, it could be a lot of reasons the therapist is changing their caseload. Um, they could be closing their practice. They could be taking a leave. They could be shifting gears. Um, so in any of these scenarios, when it's initiated from the therapist side, it could be a process where you kind of pick a date and then process towards that. So in other words, you give your client a heads up. Hey, uh, by the end of September, I'm going to close my practice. So you and I have about six weeks here. So I want to shift gears and I want us to approach that date very conscientiously. And and then you spend those six weeks talking about maybe reviewing the therapeutic relationship and the things that have been happening and, you know, how how it's been. Um, you might decide that you're going to diminish the frequency over time to work towards termination. In other words, they're going to go from coming weekly maybe to coming bi uh, biweekly to coming monthly. And, you know, you're going to walk them towards termination that way. Um, you definitely want to avoid abrupt termination if at all possible. In other words, you want termination to be a phase of therapy, not something that just gets cut off. I can imagine some situations where it would happen very abruptly if you in some way felt unsafe with a client or something like that. But you could include what termination might look like Early on, you could include it in your informed consent process with a client. You know, when we get close to termination, here's what it's likely to look like. Here's the way I tend to handle it. Um, we want to be thoughtful about how therapists address their own emotional response to termination, whether it's a sense of loss or grief or regret, um, Maybe a sense of an unfinished relationship or a pride or satisfaction. So you want to find ways to process your own side of it. Um, and you want to stay aware that the client, regardless of how you handle it, might experience termination as rejection. So let's talk about some ways, some specific approaches for termination. Uh, I remember a therapist I saw many, many years ago, I think when I was in my 20s, she had three questions she wanted me to consider as part of termination. She wanted me to know, are there things you will miss about uh, in not coming to therapy? And I thought that was a great question. She wanted to know, what do you feel like you accomplished or fully addressed in this therapy process, that gave me a chance to think and talk about what I was proud of or what I felt great about. And the third thing she asked was, what do you feel like you still need to address or work on as you move forward, not in therapy or not in therapy with that therapist? So I thought that was great. Um, those three questions were great. Another, another colleague added one, how will you look back on this time? Um, and he offered that as a therapist, he shared how he would look back on the time with the client, which I thought was really beautiful. I've talked with expressive art therapists that had clients create a piece of farewell art. And I think that's a beautiful way to create a kind of graduation or a closure. Um, you could address what you as the therapist or they hope they take with them into the future. 
So they may have a clearer sense of themselves. They may have new strengths or skills that they developed over the course of therapy. They may have new behavior choices or patterns. Um, maybe they have sobriety now or some other uh, new choices in friendships, you know, different friendship kind of checklist that they're using. Um, if possible, you want to spend some time reviewing, you know, what do you remember about who you were when you first came to therapy? How, how did you see yourself? Um, just as an example, maybe when they first came in, they were very hesitant or very shy or, you know, maybe had a hard time advocating for themselves. And now they're much more confident or much more mature in themselves. So you want to you want to note that and celebrate that with them. Um, again, you want to check in on any concerns or regrets or dissatisfaction. We, we're going to hope that we've talked about those all along. But if not, you definitely want to bring that up as part of closure. Um, if you have any concerns or the client has concerns, you can invite them to talk about that. Things that, you know, I'm worried I'm going to, you know, miss this um, this process, you know, um, blind spots they may have or uh, pitfalls that you want them to be very conscientious about. Um, you, you might want to review their initial goals because having really clear therapeutic goals is one of the ways that termination goes really well. Um, you can reflect back on those goals and kind of celebrate how they've, mm, how they've reached those goals or how they've uh, completed things. Um, you could, you could even reflect on your own experiences of termination, if you've been in therapy yourself, um, what felt helpful and what was difficult or uncomfortable and how did your therapist approach termination? So you could be really thoughtful about that. Um, the bottom line is, as a therapist, you want to be really clear and direct speaking with a client about termination. Um, you want to make sure that a client uh, is, is, let me put it this way. You, you'd want to have the goal with every client be that you worked well with them and support their development to the point of them not needing to continue with us. So in some ways, even in doing really good therapy, we're always working towards termination. You know, I, I sometimes say to clients, you know, I, I have an odd, profession where I try to work myself out of a job um, literally every single day with every single client. <laughs> and so um, we can think about termination in that way and, and understand that I, I want to get very, very good at termination because I'm, I'm going to hope to have uh, positive uh, termination experiences with every sing single client, no matter what kinds of things we've been working on. So rather than termination be something we kind of don't like to speak about or maybe even try to avoid, I really want us as therapists to have termination be something that we're very aware of and that we're working very conscientiously towards, that we speak directly about it, and we're very open to our clients' experience of it, whether it's positive or negative. Um, we just really want to to have the idea that the termination that termination is part of every single therapeutic relationship, right? Whether it's going to happen one-sided or mutual or abrupt or take some time to process it, but literally termination is going to be a part of every single therapeutic relationship. So we want to get really, really skilled at it. I hope this conversation has been really helpful to you and um, certainly reach out if you have any questions or comments. I'd be very eager to hear them. Uh, you can reach me by going to my website, which is HaneyConsulting.net. And again, let me spell it for you. H-E-A-N-E-Y Consulting.net. And there's a link for my contact there. And um, I would really love to hear from you. 
Thank you so much, and I wish you well in your work ahead. You've just finished listening to another exclusive Continuing Ed podcast by Clearly Clinical. If you like what you just heard and you need Continuing Ed credits, please visit us at clearlyclinical.com to check out our one-year membership, where you'll have access to our growing library of Continuing Ed podcast courses. Clearly Clinical, where our goal is to help you learn, grow, and shine.